Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash comedy podcast network. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This is living the dream. Bands that absolutely hate each other. I've worked for bands that fist fight each other. My name is Rich Baker, and I get to talk to those who make their living in the world of entertainment. I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who robbed a guy. Huge thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy Podcast Network. Of course, they considered a day off basically a day they could be back at home with their family. So we just we hit it straight. 18 nice. shows, 18. Tom Burns made the original logo. Diana Lawrence made the original music. It's, it really is. Uh, people think it's really glamorous, but it's really very, very boring. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. Rate the show. Go back and check out previous episodes. They're all good. We figured out ways to make stuff somewhat comfortable in a very uncomfortable environment. In a, basically a metal tube going down the <laughs> Facebook.com slash living the dream podcast has photos, recommendation, information, all kinds of stuff. I saw from the bus to the venue to back to the bus. Email me at living the dream podcast at gmail.com. It's kind of it's hard to uh, get your desires to move forward because you're having so much fun where you're at right now. Today's episode features front of house engineer for the band Bowling for Soup, Derek McDonald. Awesome, living the dream. I'm here with Derek McDonald, front of house engineer for Bowling for Soup. I believe that's your title, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so what does exactly a front of house engineer do? Uh, I mix the sound for everybody in the audience listening. Okay, so you're audio tech, audio engineer. Yeah. Um, when And you went to school for that? No. No? No, I, uh, I figured that out as I went along Okay. from working. I, I went to school at UNT for radio, TV, and film. It was uh, it ended up not happening for me that way. I ended up switching majors to something else. I don't remember what it was. And then in the process of switching majors and doing a class, I got the opportunity to go on the road with a band for like a week. And uh, ended up failing that class because I missed too many, too many days. But they, oh, no t- but they told me I had enough days to miss for that week, so they kind of screwed. I already had an A in the class, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah you can miss two days come back like oh you can only miss one i'll make f so i was like well i'm out then <laughs> all right that was pretty much the the cusp the breaking point and i just started doing this full time who was the band you went out with for that week it was flicker stick flicker stick yeah how and how did you even get involved with that uh i played in bands and knew them from around it feels really weird just have you sitting there staring at me because i don't really i think i should be staring at the microphone but not at uh, you can stare wherever you like uh, it is weird to like i'm gonna interview you and stare you right in the face <laughs> yeah because no one else can see that <laughs> um, the uh, I I played in bands and stuff, and I uh, just knew them from being around the scene, and because I've been going to like Deep Elm since like ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, back in high school. Yeah, and so I just just continually just met people, knew people, and uh, the singer's friend of mine. He goes, "Hey, you play guitar. We need someone to restring our guitars and do guitar tech work for us for uh, one week." I'm like, "Okay, I'll do it." Interesting. And, it, and it, that, so your your job was just stringing guitars and tuning them and stuff yeah in the case something breaks so i try to fix it if i could or wow and set up all their amps and guitars and it ended up being i ended up being the only guy who went on the road with them i ended up doing tour managing guitars and lights sounds whatever that's pretty much how i learned how to do everything or started learning how to do everything and was this back when flicker stick was had they really hit it big at that point this or? was right after so it was kind of after the bands on the run after the after the huge like couple years they had and then on their i guess downhill swing yeah so was, was that intimidating all of you to be like oh i'm on i'm on the 
road with a band that's like on the radio and you know like yeah it was it was weird and then he got used to it it's just uh you know you'd be in a van for three four weeks at a time with five dudes and you just kind of you kind of get over it real quick yeah fair enough uh so you get done with you do that gig and then you moved on to uh to just keep doing it yeah uh that job uh i did for about three or four years and that kind of led to Basically, meeting people, knowing people, and just kind of building contacts, and then that just built off of uh, their their management, uh, who I still know. He, uh, he, I still do stuff with him with Blowing for Suit for like the Navy and stuff. So, oh wow, he uh, he had a buddy, and his buddy said, "Hey, you want I to do like a tour of some dude from American Idol called Constantine Morales?" And right. I think it's on the second season. Okay, so I did a tour with him because of the guy I knew who did who managed Flicker Stick. So that led to that, and I did that for a little bit, and I did stuff with uh, the Toadies and the Burden Brothers because they're all Dallas Fort Worth people, just, again, meeting people and saying, oh, I do this, well, we need someone to do this. So, Wow. That led to more and more and more. Now, uh, doing that and, you know, starting out as a radio TV film major, did, did, it ever, did you ever think, well, I'm just going to do this for a little while, and then I'm going to go back and try and... I still know. think that. Oh, okay. I still think I'm going to go back to school and do something, but I'm not... I don't think I'll ever have time to do it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been in it for so long. Yeah, it's been almost 10 years now. Wow. And, I mean, obviously, you must like what you do. Yeah. You've gotten to see some pretty amazing places because of that, right? Uh, I think the only places I haven't been are South America and Australia. Really? So, so I've been all over the world. I mean, obviously, Antarctica, but one day. One day, there's going to have some penguins. They're going to yeah, yeah. put on a show. And <laughs> yeah. The live musical of uh, Ice Age or something. I love it. What uh, like what's one of the coolest places you've been? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, a lot of the cool stuff we've done is with the Navy. So we've uh, I've been to an island in the Indian Ocean that you can only go to if you're in the Navy. Oh wow! Like there's only there's, there's no natural inhabitants. It's called Diego, Diego Garcia. It's basically an inlet. So it looks like a horseshoe, and there's like a big bay in the middle of it. And it's it's completely there's parts of it that are completely untouched by human civilization but no one has ever messed with it or anything like that wow uh so tell me about uh like touring and you said it a couple times with the navy so like bowling for soup just the navy wants to use them to entertain the troops yeah we uh we've done this again this uh most of this through this guy who used to manage flicker stick he he books stuff for uh like naca which is the uh college Basically, when every every talent buyer from every college goes to and they see some someone perform for fifteen minutes, and like, oh, we'll buy them for a show, you know, in May or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he he books that stuff, and he also books stuff for uh, the Navy. So he does like, I don't know, like Switchfoot or like something like that. Or wow. they'll just basically book a band, and you don't really make money on it, but you you make enough to cover expenses essentially. So it's kind of like a paid vacation. Yes, mm-hmm. and the Navy just uh, they just haul you around places. Wow. Um, are they real re- like good audiences? The name and stuff. Yeah, it's weird because sometimes they don't really care. They're just it's just <laughs> a, really just a distraction because they're on a base or whatever, and they don't see anyone or know anything. Uh, they haven't seen like any American stuff for a while, so it's just kind of a nice distraction. But you know, I think they appreciate it. Yeah, totally. even, even if they don't like the music, they're still out there, just kind of just having fun. And the way the Bowling for Soup is, it's really half comedy show, half music show. Absolutely. Uh, so you've been with Bowling for Soup. Have you been with them longer than you were with any other 
band? Um, almost. Just yeah. Getting, getting to that point. Flicker Stick I was with the longest, and that was my first, my obviously my first gig. So I was with them for, I want to say like four years. Wow. But I was also doing other bands at the time, and so it's kind of hard to think of. It's not like you think of a, a normal job, like, oh, I've worked at this job for four years. You're this contract labor, so you're basically, oh, I'm out on tour for two, three weeks, and I'm home, and I'm out on tour with this band for two, three weeks, and I'm home. Is it, uh, is the culture, like, vastly different from one band to another? Yes. Completely. Like, is, is some bands, like, super party bands, like, you're out all night, and some bands, like, no, we're just gonna go to bed, or that kind of thing, or? Yes, uh, there's every, every type of personality you can think of. There's, uh, there's bands that, which I don't understand, there's bands that just absolutely hate each other. <laughs> that fi- I've worked for bands that fist fight each other. Wow. Uh, and I still work for that band uh, uh, separately. But and there's bands like Bowling for Soup who uh, have been a band for 18 years and absolutely love each other and have never had a you know bad word to say about one another and just really really enjoy what they're doing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a Bowling for Soup fan myself and uh, like I I think you can tell in their lyrics like uh, like friends of mine and you know, they talk about yeah. each other. It's like that's and that's real. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, are are you more of like the like, well? Let me ask you this: When you're on the road, so you're the front of house manager, and obviously you've got the band. How many other people are on the on the bus or the van with you? Uh, it it all depends. Like uh, when we do the UK, we do the UK like two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. We'll do one as an acoustic tour, just a singer and a bass player. Oh wow! And they'll both play acoustic guitars, and we'll do like kind of a round robin thing where we bring someone else out with us, and they just kind of do a thing. So we do that like in April. Uh, but we, we do our, they're actually really, really big in the UK. So mm. we still do like two, 3,000 seaters a night in the UK. Wow. And we'll just do 18 shows in a row and it's going to come home. But uh, it's gotten to the point now where I do front of house and I also do the monitors. They have, they have in ears. So I, I basically okay. run that via my iPad at front of house. Wow. Via an iPad. We have, we have a digital board that everything runs through. And I hook it up to a router and then I can control it through my iPad. And then, uh, but the UK, we will have, it'll be myself, uh, a monitor guy, maybe, if we bring, if, they, if he comes back out, uh, a tour manager, uh, the four band guys, obviously, uh, our guitar tech, um, a merch person, our Live Nation representative, who loves us, and just, he didn't have to be on the road, he just chooses to. Oh, okay. So, I call him Dad. He's... <laughs> Mick Roberts, he's one of the best people in the world. And we'll have uh, Kate and Matt, which are uh, our photography team. And sometimes we'll have either like a publicist or uh, we'll have a tattoo artist that'll come and do tattoos for us for like, you know, three or four days. He'll live on the bus with us sometimes. Oh, wow. It's, it's a, as, as Jarrett said, Jarrett enjoys chaos. So the okay. more people on the bus, the better for him. So you're we're we're th- talking at least twenty people on this bus. Sometimes, uh, mostly it's usually around. There's about 12, 12 bunks. So usually we're about full of wow. bunks, twelve people. And the buses are there are double deckers. So the bunks are upstairs, and the there's a tiny lounge downstairs, and then the driver. And like, at how long, you know, approximately, uh, are you going to be on the like actually in the bus from point to point? Uh, pretty much. All I, this what's funny when people ask, like, oh, you went to uh, London, do you see a bunch of, like, I saw from the bus to the venue to back to the bus. Oh. <laughs> That's usually how it works, because it's, like, you wake up, and if you stayed up partying all night, like, 
for instance, like when we go over there, it's usually right about the time that they're doing the NBA Finals, or yeah. not NBA, but literally like this, uh, it's in October, so they're doing um, World Series. World Series, yeah. So last year we were up real late every night because the time changed just to watch the Rangers play. Yeah. Uh, you know, via iPad or whatever our internet was working at the time, MLB.com or something. So we'd be up real late, and then I had to get up like around eleven to start working for my day, and then the show would be over by eleven p.m. and load out, and then back to watching baseball or whatever it is. Wow! So they book you pretty tight. Yeah. Do I mean does it ever happen where they they book you and it's like, hey, we're gonna put in this extra day in Hamburg, Germany, so you can see, or you know wherever you are, or like just like we want to see this place, so we're gonna build that in. Some bands do. Uh, Bowling for Soup does not. Oh, okay. We, uh, we, even in the U.S. tours, they considered a day off basically a day they could be back at home with their family. So we just, we hit it straight. 18 shows, 18 days. We actually did 19 shows in 18 days. We actually did uh, two shows in one day this last tour I just got off of. How did you do that? Uh, we played a show at Bethany College in some state, and, uh, <laughs> then we drove, we did it in the morning around noon, and it was 38 degrees outside. And we, we played outside. Wow. And there's probably like 100 kids out there because it's so cold. Yeah. And then we packed up and drove to Cleveland and did a show that night in Cleveland. Oh, man. And then, so do all the band guys, they have families here in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? And Yeah. Uh, the bass player just recently relocated. He went, he moved to South Carolina and he just moved back. Uh, singer, uh, he's got two kids and a wife. The drummer's got a newborn and a wife, and uh, the other guitar player lives in Denton with uh, Sherman, who goes on the road with us, his dog, a little uh, French bulldog. Oh. Yeah, so we have a, we have a bus dog. I'm trying okay. to get Gus to go out, but I don't think his mom will allow it. Well, at least Gus is here for the interview. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won't, ever, he won't ever leave my side. He really hates it when I'm gone. Oh, that's cute. When, uh, so... So you're on the road a lot, and, and you're going to these places, but you're not seeing them. Do you ever, like, let's say that you got a tour that's 18 days or whatever, do you ever personally go, okay, uh, I'm going to use my own money to stay in this area and see this and then fly back on myself or anything? I haven't, but um, I, I guess that's always an option. Yeah. But I, I just never have because I like to keep my money. <laughs> totally fair. When... Do you does it help you being Dallas Fort Worth based to work with this band or do you need yes. to be? Yeah. It you don't need to be in this day and age, but it definitely helps for contacts and obviously I can move to LA or New York and build more contacts and probably work with more, you know, that larger array of bands that are national touring acts, but yeah. You know, this is my home and it's why I, I kinda I live here, so this is why I like to be. Well and obviously I mean you've been doing this for so long with I mean, obviously, this isn't a bad market for that. No, and you know, at this point, I've I know enough people that I can I can find a way to do other bands if I had to. Like I just, re- I mean, I just started doing Drowning Pool last year, so I mean, and they just I think they just fired their singer, so they're re- they're doing a new album with a new singer, I think. But I'm not sure if I'm. I don't know if that even matters. I don't think anyone really cares if I <laughs> if I say that. But yeah, so no one listens to this. So yeah, it's fine. it'll be. Uh, like I'm supposed to do some shows with them, and that's when it comes on. Like sometimes I have conflicts where like, oh, I, I can do five shows with this band or do one fly date with this other band. So sometimes it comes down to like, well, you know, five days is more money. Sure. So I'm just supposed to do something like Motley Crue with them in July, I think. Oh, oh wow! Like open up for Motley Crue. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
is Bowling for Soup like your number one? Like, are yeah. you you're always the guy for them? Yeah, yeah, they're my they're my main priority. All right, and you like you were saying like sometimes it's just you and, and a few other guys. So it's any gig they do, you're on. Yeah, wow. It's gotten to the point where uh, I think it's me and the tour manager are probably the people who go on everything because the, the acoustic tour obviously doesn't require a, a huge crew. It's just I basically go there, do the sounds, and string guitars if if need be, and it's just two dudes. So yeah, so he, the tour manager and I usually go on that. It used to be I didn't go on that, and I went. I was like, man, I just want to. I just want to go back just for fun, and I went for like half pay just to do it. And then they were like, oh well, you know, now you're just part of it and back to full bay. That'll work. When you're on the bus, or uh, what? Like, what do you do to occupy your time? Uh, basically, sit there and stare at a TV. <laughs> it's it, it really is. Uh, people think it's really glamorous, but it's really very very boring. So, and if you don't get along with people or whatever, it, it can be very awkward. Luckily, I don't have that problem. Yeah, I don't think I've really had that problem with anybody. Are there like you know video games on the bus and different things like oh like, like a big entertainment type center or something? Or? Yeah, the uh, the back lounge will become Chris's. Uh, the guitar player basically we call it his apartment because he'll just spread out in there and he has he'll bring his playstation and his whole like audio video set up and he'll have just he'll basically tear apart the back lounge and set it up the way he wants it and so he'll be able to like oh i'm gonna watch something on my computer on the tv or i'm gonna watch you know we can download movies and put them on a usb stick and watch them through the playstation or something like that nice so we figured out ways to make stuff somewhat comfortable in a very uncomfortable environment in a Basically, a metal tube going down the highway. <laughs> on an average uh, year for you, like how, give an estimate on, on how much you're actually at home and how much you're on the road. Um, I think I'm actually very fortunate because this band does not tour uh, relentlessly. They, mm. they used to a long time ago before I, I joined them, but they do two to three week stretches at a time. And then we'll do. Like for instance, our schedule this year, we have uh, we did the acoustic tour, which was two weeks. No, it's actually a little under two weeks. And then we'll do a full UK tour, which is usually about three weeks in October. So we got April and October like two weeks, and then we'll do two US tours, and then whatever Navy stuff we'll kind of pepper in there. So it's not like I'm I'm probably home more than half the time. Yeah. But when I get home, I have a job I can go to, and I'm home too. So. Oh, cool. What do you do? Um... When you're not on the road, like what occupies your time here? I freelance. Uh, I'm officially, I think I'm officially on the head sound guy at the Aardvark. But at this point, there's some people that fill in for me. There's really no way to say I'm the head sound guy. I'm just like, I just work there basically when I'm home. And I'm trying to get in with like production companies and stuff like that so I can do other gigs and learn new stuff. Have you ever um, done sound engineering for uh, acts that weren't bands, like magicians or actors, anything like that? Um, I think I probably have at at, at home because we had, we had just a wide variety of stuff come through. I mean, you know, I've done stuff like for weddings and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know if I've done I've done like burlesque shows or stuff like that. I don't think I've ever done magician. Hmm. That would be interesting. When you go on the road, uh, I assume that the venues that you go to have people that work there, mm-hmm. and is like, what do the, what do they do versus what do you do? Like, if someone's got a soundboard at, uh, I don't know, some some concert venue, do you have to work with other people or? 
Uh, it depends. Like mm-hmm. sometimes some bands will bring in their own production. Like we do that a lot in the UK. We'll bring in production. We'll play places that uh, are really, really nice old, you know, churches or something like that. Or but they're they're venues. Yeah. But they don't have a a PA that's capable of doing a loud rock show. So we'll bring in our own production and bring our own boards in and stuff like that. But most places have all their own production in house, and they have like a house lighting guy, house sound guy. So. Basically, their job is to babysit. Yeah. They just sit there and make sure you don't screw up everything. <laughs> Does it ever... Um, I know, like, in Chicago, for example, it's a very unionized town. Yeah. Is there... Do you have to deal with kind of union rules of people and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, especially like in New York. New York's one of those places where, like, you don't plug anything in before somebody's there watching you do it. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, you don't touch that, you know? <laughs> you don't mess with the unions. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's funny, though. I, I've... We don't have a lot of that in Dallas, but I mean it's, it exists. But it's just I don't think they care as much to go like you can't plug that in. I plug that in. Like okay, whatever, just plug it in. And being that you're a musician, do you still like does that still come into your life a lot? Do you still play? Uh, not really. I haven't. Really, I don't think I play guitar in probably three or four years. I just really. Yeah, I just I have guitars and I have all that stuff. I can just I'll fool around with one every once in a while. But for the most part, I just yeah. I, it gets to the point where like I wasn't making money doing that, so I made money doing something else. Fair, totally fair. I mean, that's uh, just for the listeners' sake if they if they care. That's how, that's how we kind of met in mm-hmm. high school. We started a band together. Yeah, remember, remember that one? Yeah, that the was, uh, they played the talent show. Yeah, that one gig that we did. Yeah, that we, was we nailed it. <laughs> I think I yelled at a teacher too that night. <laughs> I don't remember why. I think I yelled at her quite a bit though. Well. Unfairly, we went to a school where the teachers, a lot of them, deserve to get yelled at. Yeah, yeah, she wouldn't. I think there was one thing we did, like a a track meet. No, it was a special, like it was a special uh, Olympics, and it sounds really terrible now to say that, that I got really pissed off that I couldn't. That I felt selfish about a special Olympics thing. <laughs> but I think it was Scott Hines and I were supposed to be announcers of the thing, and she did something to where I couldn't do it, and our calculus teacher at the time. Let just gave me a free pass to leave and go do whatever I wanted. Ah. So I basically just rode around a golf cart and berated her. <laughs> ah, good times. Yeah, and she's it, dead now. Well, I don't know. Maybe we don't know. Could be dead. When, uh, as far as um, like doing what you do, is there a goal? Is like you go, well, I, I I'm in front of house engineer now for Bowling for Soup, but eventually I want to be this, or is it just kind of? Um. Yeah, I I think originally that was. My idea is like I'm a. I mean, I obviously always want to be moving forward and up. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird though because with these guys, it's it's better than having to do that. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's a comf- and it's kind of sucks because you get stuck in a comfortable state. Mm-hmm. Like this is really good. It's really fun. And I really enjoy it and I have a, a blast. So I really have. It's kind of it's hard to uh, get your desires to move forward because you're having so much fun where you're at right now. Yeah. So. But I always try to strive to do bigger and better things. I'll buy In your line of work, and, and I, just, I just don't know much about it, like what would be considered like up the ladder? Is it just a bigger band or a different position with bands or working um, for a venue? Or? Probably, it'd probably be like you know, bigger bands and yeah. bigger tours and just bigger scale production. Like for what we... I guess. <laughs> for what we do, we just we travel on a bus with a trailer, so that's... It's pretty standard touring, but mm. there's there's bands that travel with eight buses, 
10 semis, a private jet. Like, I think that's like what, uh, like big country artists do and stuff like that. And yeah. they'll have like huge productions, just massive LED screens and all this stuff going. I mean, the, the bigger the production is, the more people that are working on it, the more specialized the jobs become. It's, yeah. It's really weird. When, uh, so when, when you're on the road and maybe this is the kind of question you, you don't want to speak to, but like, you know, the, the, the idea for people who are not in your industry is like, oh, rock and roll is that sex, drugs and rock and roll groupies everywhere, that kind of thing. But like to hear you talk about it, it sounds more boring than it is like. Yeah. I think for some people it, it probably is that way, but it's, it's not a general rule of thumb. I mean, uh, yeah, I think the idea of it is, is like, like if you're reading like a Motley Crue diary, I'm pretty sure all that stuff probably happened to them. Yeah, and it probably may still. I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it's just you know, it's based on the personality of the person, you know. So really, the band, the people in the band, kind of control how the tour is. Right. There's, I mean, you know, it's, and obviously, Bowling for Soup doesn't really do the kind of music where there's women just throwing themselves everywhere you know this is it didn't really it didn't correspond with that kind of music yeah it's like it's you wouldn't go see interpool play and go oh man can't wait to go backstage and suck that guy's dick <laughs> i mean i didn't think that when yeah. i saw interpool but you know I, I i wasn't the only one there i don't know uh <laughs> i'm sure there's probably some lonely person who thought that oh man uh when i saw bowling for soup and this is like four or five years ago um i felt like i was the oldest one there who wasn't a parent yeah. Uh, is that is that like a lot of the demographic at least in the U.S.? It's uh, it's really weird since since I started working with them, they said that there's been this huge shift in like the demographic that has seen them play or they go see them play now, mainly because they do the theme song to Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. now we get a lot of young young kids. Oh. So we'll have to do like either we'll have to kind of you know suss it out like okay today's gonna be a G-rated show, uh-huh. not as much cussing. Or whatever. And then sometimes it'll like, say, fuck it, we'll just cuss a bunch. <laughs> right. It's 18 and up, you know? Yeah. Well, and I I remember they, they also did the theme song to Jim, Jimmy Neutron, yeah. which, I mean, I'm sure that kids nowadays don't even know what that is, but yeah. like 10 years ago, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, and the First. Phineas and Ferb thing now, is uh, that's a huge deal. Like, it's like the, one of the biggest cartoons on the planet. And do they play that song a lot in concert? We, we play it every time. There you go. But the thing with them is they play all their songs, and it's hard to go back and, and I've told... Jarrett, just like it's really impossible to go back and listen to your CDs because the uh, the beat per measure you play your songs so much faster live. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. So the Phineas and Ferb song is like thirty seconds. It's, <laughs> they just fly through it. They fly through everything, but it's it's kind of like the energy of a live show. Like it's just faster, more energy, more upbeat. And do you? Uh, I mean, I assume you were a fan of the band before you started working for them. I really wasn't. I really, didn't, really, I really didn't have any of their CDs or anything. Uh, uh, the way I started working for them is I was doing something aardvark, and they came through and they didn't have a sound guy, and so I basically had to do all the sound and monitors for them, and they offered me a job after that. Wow. And uh, but they had been playing there forever, and they're really good friends with the guy who owns it, owns the aardvark. So it just, it just kind of happened to work out. I mean, I'd always known who they were just because being around the scene and everything, but I just, I don't think I ever went to a show or actively, like, bought CDs or anything like that. Yeah. Does it ever get um, mind-numbing to hear, you know, con- the same concert kind of over and over and over? Uh, not for them, because they don't ever make a set list. They just, oh. they just pull it out of their heads as, as they go. There's a few things, like, there's a few things that I have to know to do. There's a few cues, like, we do, like, a photo op in the middle of a song. Okay. Where they'll stop and go, there's a musically enhanced photo op, and I'll play a song on the iPod, and they 
walk around the stage and pause and do take pictures and then walk to the other side of the stage do the same thing. So, uh, but there's a few things that I know when something's gonna happen, but other than that, I don't know what song's gonna come next. How do you know when to end it? Is it just like a time limit thing, or? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. But we're, they're really pretty. I mean, they're they're obviously pros. They've been in this for so long. They just they just know. Fair. Like, oh, you got 20 minutes. Like, okay, we can fit 10 more songs in there real quick. Oh, there you go. Are you keeping track of the time for them and like putting in their ear monitors and stuff? Or? No, I just let them. I just let them go. There's there's very rarely that we come up against a really hard curfew. And in, in the UK, a lot we come up with hard curfews because what the UK does is like they'll have a show, mm. and since it's all train systems where how most people travel, all the trains like the last train leaves at 11, so they want you to be done playing by 11, so all those people can catch your trains and you sell more oh. tickets that way. And then they they do what's called a we call it a disco loadout where you basically have like 30 minutes to pack your gear up and put it back in the trailer and then that during that time period they're cleaning up the club and kick everybody out and they clean up the club and then they reopen it and it becomes a dance club oh wow so it's it's, it's a funny i think mostly the show is for out-of-towners who take the train in and then the dance clubs for the locals uh 15 year old kid says derek i want to do what you do uh what advice do you give him um don't go to a school <laughs> okay to do it uh really i mean it's this industry is kind of like like a like plumbing or uh, you know like a trade industry. I see. They want you to learn from somebody else who knows what the, they're doing with like hands-on real experience, not from like some guy who gives you a textbook and goes, "Oh, this is how you do it." I mean, obviously the technical knowledge is very important, but they'll teach you that. I mean, I I lucked out and happened to just learn from people on the. I basically learned from people on the road. Yeah. So every band I worked for, I'd, there'd be some guy who like was really really good at what he does and I just just follow him around and figure out how to do it or some person uh, the easiest thing to do and the most accepted way to do it is to go work for a sound company and go hey I'll, I'll sleep your force for free if you just show me how to do that stuff and they'll show you how to wrap a cable properly how to do all this stuff so you don't have to re-solder it all the time and that's wow. how they want you to learn they want you to learn the all the steps it takes to do something right so like Find someone in the industry, however you can, and then just do whatever you can to learn from. Yeah, them. I mean, there's there's schools like Full Sail you can go to and spend fifty thousand dollars for I don't know eight months of schooling, but a lot of people you come out and they look at that and they automatically will not hire you because it says Full Sail on your resume. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right. Good to know. Uh, if this no longer could make money, uh, like. Being sound engineer, being working with bands like each, none of that could pay in a hypothetical world. What uh, what job would you do outside of the creative world? Uh, I honestly don't know, and that scares me every day. So uh, <laughs> I I try not to think about it because I don't know. I really don't know what I would do. It's it's gotten to the point now where this has become this is it. You know, there's no way I can go back to do anything else. Yeah, you just love it too much. Yeah, huh? that's totally fair. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have like uh, I mean, obviously go to the Bowling for Soup website and if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area go to the Yardvark. Um, yeah um let's see here uh Eric Chandler has a solo stuff uh, he's a bass player for Bowling for Soup he uh just started his solo record um jo uh, Jarrett has I think 16,000 projects he's on right now <laughs> he has a a band with Linus of Hollywood uh the guitar player for Nerf Herder called Jarinus Jarrett Linus <laughs> and it's basically comedy metal and he also has a, a band with Ryan Hamilton from Smile Small, and the band's called People on Vacation. It's really just too much to keep up with. Fair. Totally fair. 
what do you do for fun when you're not doing when you're not working? Uh, that's pretty much it. I just kind of sit around and watch TV. It's it's really relaxing to not do anything because I mean I treat basically touring as my vacation. Yeah. So when I come back home, it's it's kind of bittersweet because I don't really don't want to go back to work. Yeah. And like at, you know at real work and do the the grind every day. Right. But it's better because I used to make T-shirts. Because that that's the weird thing. You can't really find jobs when you're like, oh, I'm going to leave for two, three weeks at a time and come back and I'm just going to have my job. Yeah. So at least I'm not making t-shirts anymore. <laughs> what did you do to make t-shirts? I was doing, uh, there was a, a hip-hop clothing line called Gino Green. And uh, I knew this guy who, I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who robbed a guy. <laughs> and uh, he, he had a, a t-shirt place and it was over... Uh, in the warehouse district off of the university at where the car dealerships are. Yeah. And I would make uh, these hip hop shirts with them. And that, but that com- I think that company quickly went under. Yeah. Because it was just a fad. So, you know, I mean, they did a lot of production for a while and then it stopped. But that was cool for me. Like, lock and just leave and come back home. There you go. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, no problem, man. Derek McDonald, living the dream. Big thank you to Phil Ranta, Tom Burns, Diana Lawrence. Check out facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. Email me at livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes. Leave a comment. I appreciate it. Next week, Blue Man, Tom Galassi. That's right. A blue man will be speaking. It's a lot of fun. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. <laughs>